the same You ready? Ready. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Sister X, the podcast. The podcast. I am Rose. <laughs> and I'm Stephanie. And I'm Stephanie. On my little yeah. thing, it says I'm Stephanie. <laughs> you're Stephanie? Oh, shit. Wait a minute. This is if how we got, here, This is I'm how we here. came sisters in the first place. Oh, no. <laughs> this is the true crime podcast where we discuss murder. Mayhem. And madness. Madness. If you're new with us, check out our previous episodes. They're good. They're good. Um, so each week we take turns discussing a real story about murderers, cults, other true crime nuggets. We're excited to get into today's story. Uh, Stephanie has assured me that I'm going to enjoy it, so I'm a little nervous because I don't know what it is yet. Uh, I right. mean, I feel like enjoying it is probably stretching the truth. You're going to learn something. I should not enjoy it Maybe. Then. Okay. I am not going to have any fun today. <laughs> We did just get off work, so I mean, <laughs> it's a living. And we're in another podcast about terrible people, so. It's the best. So what do you got for me today? Well, first of all, thanks. Shout out to all y'all out there um, living busy lives yet still tuning in. Yeah, we really, really appreciate it. We love seeing our little listener numbers going up. I definitely don't check it religiously. Um, just kidding. It's a, it's a problem. A special shout out to our friends and family who have to hear us talking about this all the time and who have mm-hmm. to get us asking them, have you listened? Have you listened? Have you listened? Like, what do you think? What do you think? Did I'm, you like it? I know it's awkward, especially if you don't like it. But if you're listening to this, if you're still listening, there's something you like. Yeah. So thank you. And we love you. And please tell everyone else about it. Hell yes. Because the more people you tell about it, the less will bug you. And just think of it. It's just easier on everybody. It's just easier. This is a hostage situation, basically. Yeah. I mean, and we typically don't negotiate with terrorists, but I'm willing to make an exception. We're the terrorists in this situation. And I'm willing to make an exception. Because <laughs> <laughs> normally, we're not. We're not. <laughs> All right, guys. Today's topic hits, hits the Sister Acts triple M for sure, but it's not our typical storyline, um, something we haven't covered yet, and shedding light on a different type of madness. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, checks Fitbit because my heart rate's going up. Oh, no. <sighs> Today we are talking about Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold. <sighs> Ooh. The gunmen behind the Columbine Massacre, the catastrophic event that has influenced the world since 1999, being known as the Columbine Effect. Whoa. It's, this was definitely uh, one that took just obscene amount of research. I to have, do, to even just, like, <laughs> I got goosebumps. Oh, my God, I do, too. Um, and it's just because it gives you that feeling. What other story do you hear that this is, this happened in 1999? Especially for our generation. Yeah. This was, like, shattering. Yeah, this changed the Everything. game. Yeah, and, and that's how it still gives you that, that guttural reaction. You're like, oh, I'm doing Ted Bundy. You're like, oh, that's cool. That's, cool. that's sick. And you're like, oh, no, I'm going to be doing Columbine. And people go, <gasps> it hits you because it's... It's not just like, oh, this is something that happened. Like, no, this is something that fucking happened. This was something like we would come, we came home from school to hear, or we heard about it while we were in school yeah. about this huge, like, oh my gosh. Yeah, this is gonna be intense. Yes. Just like the circus. You heard about the circus? Intense. It's I get intense. it. I got it. I got it. Yeah. I got it. For a second, I'm like, the circus isn't that intense. <laughs> I was like, stupid bitch. Oh, <laughs> that's, oh, that's oh, a joke. It's a pun. <laughs> 
tuning in to any news program, and the odds that they'll mention a mass shooting is staggeringly high. Between 1966 and 2012, the U.S. claimed 31% of the public mass shootings worldwide. <laughs> America! So cute! <laughs> just, just shit in the bed across the board. Just like how our last episode, we should be so proud of all those executions. Yeah, go big. Ugh. Go home in Texas as well. Ugh. <sighs> right? <laughs> In 2015 alone, 209 out of 336 days, because that was a weird year, um, there was at least one shooting a day documented. So with that, we're going to get through this together, I promise. I'm going to, I'm going to be honest, but I'm going to try to keep it light. I don't know. Well, it's a, it's something that unfortunately, until we figure out what the fuck the problem is, we, we can't ignore it. And we're going to need to keep dissecting instances and finding trends. And we can't become complacent and we can't get comfortable with it. The fact that it's still happening so much and this is still the one like we we know that that the Columbine Columbine, when you hear that word, it is associated with this. And there are so many other shootings that happen all the time, even at especially at schools that people aren't as familiar with and we should be these should be firm into our heads these are serious things children it, they're children yeah and then <laughs> in the most it, yeah for yeah and in this instance yeah all the all this they were all high school students and this is the place that kids should be feel safe yeah no matter what's going on around them whatever's going on, on the streets at home you should feel safe at school at least have that one you know the one place you can go. And for me, I didn't have a great home life when I was in high school and middle school. So school was my yeah. sanctuary. And I don't know what I would do or where I would be if I did not feel safe yeah. there. Holy shit. No, for sure. Um, for the off chance that you guys haven't heard of today's topic, which I would find really hard to believe, but uh, some of y'all there. were born after 2000. So who babies? <laughs> Little one. Let me see your ID. Are you old enough to listen to this? <laughs> right? Start carding at the door. Yeah. Um, the Columbine Massacre was a bombing and terrorist attack that uh, was more, it turned, because they're so good at making bombs, um, was more of a shooting than bombing attack, but it was a bona fide, like, domestic Domestic terrorist. terrorism, yeah. Yeah. Um, happened on April 20th, 1999, at the hands of Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold. Douchebags. At the time, it was the deadliest school shooting in United States history, the mantle later being taken on by the Virginia Tech shooting on April 16th, 2007. Also douchebag. Killing 32 and wounding 17. Uh, And as Rose mentioned before, like, Columbine is literally just, like, going postal. Like, it's been so scarred with negative connotations that Mm -hmm. even the word has become a euphemism. Yeah. Um, If you guys don't know what going postal means, because some... (laughs) Because that's life. Some people don't know. Because some people don't know. And knowledge is power. On August 20th, 1986, in uh, Oklahoma, there was a post office shooting. 14 employees were shot and killed, six wounded, and it was just. And then the gunman proceeded to commit suicide. We'll cover it eventually. Yeah. Because postal shootings in general are kind of just their own beast. It's. It's a hard place to work in, and at the time, they had, there was a particular system that was so, like, made humans into these robots, basically, that, and they had um, extra, like, harsh stuff coming on them, like, they had to do so much more extra work than they yeah. did before, and all this crazy stuff. Different and laws just, and rules and all sorts of stuff, and they weren't being... Yeah, it just drove silly. people over the edge. Look at Diane Downs. Yeah, right? See? <laughs> <laughs> Bitches. Bitches be crazy. <laughs> 
While this wasn't the first school shooting to ever occur, this particular horrific crime had not only spawned dozens and dozens of incidents since then, but has also inspired a, I don't know how to put this delicately, a more than we should be comfortable with as a society, without saying like the sassy mean voice, um, copycat shootings. Yeah. And I'm not even saying like, oh, it's just like, oh, it's a, it's related in fact that it was a shooting. No, 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 no. I'm talking about, and I'll talk about it a little bit later, too, genuine inspired buys. Yeah. Like, it's not just... Their names were known. Yeah. They, and they became idolized for how the media portrayed them. Mm -hmm. Bullshit. Which was all, it's all bullshit. Just, like, another callback, you're talking about, like, schools are, like, just because it obviously happened in a school, um, need to be one of those places, mm-hmm. and you think of how Columbine has just affected everything, and how the Columbine effect has mm-hmm. affected everything. And where we work, we have to take a class once a year, minimum, mm-hmm. on what to do if something shoots where we work. Yeah. Um, Active shooter training. And then you go to, you see shit on TV, and it's, like, as seen on TV, and it's door jams in case of fucking emergencies. I shouldn't have to, like, worry about my, you know, my nieces and my nephews going to school and going, hey, here's a wedge for your door. Or my daughter. Just in fucking case. Yeah. yeah. And saying, okay, have fun at school. Really hope you come back. No, I remember in high school um, in Astoria, we had lockdown drills. Mm-hmm. Where we had to lock the doors and hide under the desk. This isn't for some, like, tsunami or earthquake or anything. This was just in case somebody came and started shooting up our school. Yeah. We had to practice this. The fact that we have to practice shit like that in schools is absolutely insane. Yeah. Fucking ridiculous. Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold were born in 1981. While Dylan lived all of his life in Colorado, Eric moved around frequently due to his father being in the U.S. Air Force. In 1993, his father was forced to retire and they had settled in Littleton, Colorado. Eric and Dylan met in 7th grade at Ken Carl, Carl? Carol Middle School. Both boys were highly intelligent and over time they became increasingly close despite the pair having nearly opposite personalities. They were described as inseparable. The two bond over their extreme ideals, video games, and explosives making. That's just, fun. That's fun. <laughs> you ever just, like, work for 30 days on a project and go, God, I hate these people. <laughs> it's not fun to hate your own work. <laughs> I hate these words that I typed. Yeah. So a common misconception about the Columbine shooters um, involved their background. False claims of this trench coat mafia and these poor, like, bee-boo, poor little souls. They were so bullied and like, oh, if only we could have done this and that to like, because they're such these fragile boys. No, 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 no. Listeners can't hear my eyes rolling to the back of my head. Her eyes just rolled back into like North Korea because we talked about (laughs) that earlier. Can't go there. Is that the one we can't go to? Um... They were not part of the trench coat mafia. They were not loners. And, like, I don't even... I almost didn't even put this in because, like, people still will blame it on it. There was bullying at Columbine. It was rampant. Disregard any level of social status you had. They were bullied. Yeah, like, once. Someone called them an F word. Like, so... But they were fucking bullies. Eric had the biggest superiority complex and treated those around him accordingly. He was a cocky douchebag. We, like, we knew these kind of kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In school. Yeah. For sure. Who, th- who thought that they were, like, so picked on and the victims, but they were the ones victimizing everybody. Yeah, it's like, bullshit hot. No. Yeah. 
Eric blatantly enjoyed, enjoyed his ability to manipulate those around him. And despite this, he was popular across various cliques, charismatic, and sexually active. Ooh. Which you think of um, later in, like, the later 2000s and, like, past 2010s. Um, so we'll say 2010 to 2020. Um, shootings have been more, I want to say not, I don't want to say incel driven. But it's guys who can't connect been, with women and blame them. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, this isn't technically that. Like, this, it, is, this, is, this is a genuine yeah. terrorist attack, but this is, you know. And, I mean, it's. It's not something you think of. You're like, oh, because you play, you you listen to that yeah. the bullshit media part and you're like, oh, they were bullied. And, oh, no. blah, blah, blah. Like, no, this... Well, and, like, the thing with that also is you could even say that because the way the media portrayed these boys, that gave people like that who felt like they couldn't connect to women or what have you and blamed everybody else, they felt, well, they did it. Yeah. Why not me? And it's like, no, that's no. not even the reason why they did it. Just exactly. No, just no, it was... We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say that Dylan... Um, on the flip side of the coin, was very shy. Um, he was depressed and didn't have, like, you know, the sad thoughts. He was kind of the follower. Yeah, he was heavily dependent on Eric. Yeah. Uh, friendship, validation. But, it's like, still, like, it's smart, and they were, you know, fairly popular up until mm-hmm. junior year. Uh, Eric, especially, his true personality would show through, suddenly becoming angry with anyone that he didn't de- deem good enough for his standards. Eric and Dylan had started to become the hateful, manipulative monsters we know of them today, obsessed with death and destruction. And this obsession had a name, NBK. So they referred to the April 20th attack called the shooting as NBK, which is an abbreviation for Natural Born Killers. Oh. The movie with Woody Harrelson, I think. Mm -hmm. It's like based off an old Tarantino screenplay. And the premise of the movie is a glorified media shooting spree. Yeah. So it's like, like, of of course. Of course that's the fucking... Of course it is, yeah. yeah. And they refer to it, oh my God, if you go into the basement tapes, if you go into the journals and like everything, they were obsessed with this. And he's like, oh. And they they were trying to put it into conversation. But obviously they're the only ones that know that that's what the meaning was. So it's like... (laughs) I don't know what that's like. Yeah, was like mm. <laughs> making references to nobody yeah. things that nobody else knows. <laughs> we definitely don't do that. No shit. <laughs> Womp. I'd love to be part. Or I love inside jokes. I'd love to be part of one someday. <laughs> but when it's about a douchey thing like like yeah, like the movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. But it's just it's I mean, people for a movie. People <laughs> take it. <sighs> It's like that and, like, um, Boondock Saints, Saints, where it's, like, alone, it's a good movie if you take it and, like, it's a movie, fun, whatever. Just dinking around. Just a concept. Yeah. But when these really impressionable kids take it so seriously and decide, like, this is how life's going to be like, it's going to be like a movie, that's when it gets dangerous. Not that we should be stopping them from what, from... Yeah. It's just that somebody needs to let them... And understand. Yeah, and I, I don't know, because, like, there's, and obviously, like, this case particular, they went after Marilyn Manson, they went yeah. after Ramshine, they oh went after gosh. all the all the music and the media and stuff, and it's like, you can't, you know, it sucks to suck, and I know you really want someone to blame, but they're not, they're not the ones to blame. For, like, the two kids that shot up the school because they listened to Marilyn Manson, there's a million kids who Marilyn Manson helped shape them and helped them yeah. become better people because they accepted themselves. Yeah, and it's just, <laughs> and you can't even like put all of that into like that either. It's, it's just like you can't blame a band for 
yeah. producing content, you can't you can't hold them accountable for who's yeah, listening. Exactly. And like I said like I said, for every one person who takes it the wrong way and takes it to the extreme, yeah. there's a hundred other people that see the positive of it and see it in the light it should be seen in. Yeah. A guide. Weed. Uh, the objective of NBK was to kill as many people as possible and to cause the most deaths in U.S. history. Mm. Uh, like I had mentioned earlier, Columbine is by no means an original thought. Um, the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing served as inspiration and stretch goal to surpass the bombing's casualties. Oh, good. One right. douchebag. And <laughs> yeah, just, see, just keep on just motivating another. Breaking those glass uh, ceilings. From, and Timothy McVeigh was such a Dude, I just listened to a thing about him. So it's like today. Uh, so it's like so fresh too. Uh, I can totally. They look like little Timothy McVeigh too. Ooh. <laughs> While the shooting aspects paralleled the school shootings and uh, mass shootings in Kentucky, Arkansas, and Oregon's own Kip Kinkle in 1998. Yeah. Dylan and Eric documented their journey and devastation thoroughly. This was about a legacy. Handwritten journals to video diaries, these videos would later become known as the basement tapes. The journals were filled with racist, violent ramblings targeting other people's races, sexual orientations, and social statuses. Douchebags. Mm -hmm. Douchebags, douchebags, douchebags. Um, Eric Harris especially was very white supremacist oriented. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a reason. There's technically two reasons why it was April 20th was Hitler's birthday. Mm -hmm. And then one of the... Uh, one of their bands was releasing an album. So they're like, Oh, sick. let's ruin this band's and career. And they're like, We don't need your help. We're already German. These tapes were filmed in Eric's basement style bedroom. The two often seen drinking Jack Daniels and going on about everything from Doom, which is legit, you know, a game I loved playing and still love to play. Yeah, it's a good game. To unfortunately NBK. Uh, mm. Eric was usually seen tinkering with homemade explosives or his sawed off shotgun named Arlene. Oh, good. She had a name. Good old Arlene. Thank you for ruining the name Arlene for me. It was such a sweet name. I have a now quote a from gun. the basement tapes. Eric Harris saying, oh, ha, this, that fucking shotgun kisses Arlene. Straight out of doom. Go ahead and change gun laws. How do you think we got ours? Eye roll oh. again. Another eye roll. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Got lots of quotes. And that's, like, you know when you are in high school and you think you know everything. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember because I've been an atheist since junior high, and in high school I was an obnoxious atheist. I've gotten a lot better. I'm not... (laughs) But I just think about how obnoxious I was just with that one thing, and I could only imagine how obnoxious these kids were. Right. (laughs) Their hopes were that the basement tapes would be shown all over the world, and when their masterpiece was done, they wanted everyone to know why they did it. They did it... For the fuck of it. The end game was literally just to see how many people they could kill. So the planning for the attack began around May 1998. The next year was spent dedicated to stockpiling as many weapons as possible for the attack. Together they spent hours meticulously building explosives for their arsenal. Acquiring the amount of firepower that they desired wouldn't be easy for the pair. Eric and Dylan had enlisted the aid of Robin Anderson a 18-year-old fellow Columbine student and friend of Dylan. Robin would acquire two shotguns and a high-point carbine for the pair at a local Tanner gun show. Hmm. Gun shows are in and out. It's yeah. It's bullshit. It's terribly it's, regulated. Yeah, it's awful. It's, yeah. Ugh. 
Well, fun fact, Dylan and Robin went to prom together three days before the shooting. Bestie. Oh, how cute. Oh, I didn't realize Robin was a girl. Yeah. Oh, sorry. And it's with a Y. Mm, Robin. Robin. In exchange for her cooperation with the investigation that followed the shootings, no charges were filed against Robin. Huh. I know that works. Huh. Really? Supplying firearms to minors. After illegally acquiring the guns from Robin, um... Dylan and Eric sawed off the ends of their weapons. Short, uh, Dylan shortened the overall length to his to approximately 23 inches, which is a felony. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Eric's uh, Springfield was sawed down to about 26. They had another gun, which was... Um, they had basically just straight up admitted to using him. Like, they're in the yeah. tapes, they're like, Sorry, bro. Did what I have to do. What? And, yeah, they worked with them. It was two dudes, uh, Mark Maines and Philip Duran. Um, they got convicted. It was, like, okay. six or seven years of supplying the one gun because he did it in cahoots. But it's, like, those guys, like, they didn't get no fancy treatment. But also they were, like, yeah. trying to, <laughs> like, we didn't do that. And, like, we, we Oh, have gotcha. Evidence. <laughs> she came clean. They didn't. Yeah. Gotcha. Lady guilt. <laughs> and she, I guess, I mean, she was young and stupid. And the other guys, how old were the other guys? 20s. Okay, so they were a little like older. 22, I think. Practically old men. Yeah. I mean, because, um, see, Dylan and Eric, they were 17 and 18. Yeah. Uh, the bombs used by the pair varied and were crudely made from a combination of carbon dioxide canisters, galvanized pipe, and metal propane bottles. Hmm. Could you imagine if they just put all this energy into... Anything else? Literally anything else. Wait, How, till, <laughs> like, wait till you hear this part. So the bombs were constructed and primed with matches placed at one end. Eric and Dylan wore striker tips on the edges of their sleeves, so when they rubbed the bomb, the match head would light the fuse. Oh my god, my eyes are not going to be able to come out from behind my head. This level of just forethought. And so the goal was in and out in 15 minutes. I think they ended up at like 20 minutes. Do you think they were a little iron-ons, or do you think they hand stitch them um, so I'd love to see them either asking their mom to do it yeah I or think it was, them go, just little thread needle it, you know what <laughs> I would not be surprised if it was thread needle some of the more complex bombs such as the distraction bomb that detonated downtown and were on timers had a higher success rate they placed like I said this is all forethought mm-hmm. they tried putting these on timers and some of them worked some of them didn't a majority didn't mm-hmm. thankfully um, cause fuck. Yeah. So they had one like down the block from the school. They had one over here. So this one would go off. This one would go off. They thought like, oh, EMS and It'll stuff are going to go there. Everybody gotcha. And they won't be as quick. Wow. Jesus. The two largest bombs built were later found in the school cafeteria and built from small propane tanks. And by small, I mean like map size. Yeah. A foot. <laughs> map size. <laughs> For people listening, it's a about map a map is about a foot. Yeah. It's about a map. Luckily, like I said, they they weren't as good as they thought they were at building them. So only one of those what? went off. <laughs> a bunch of teenagers thought that they knew how to do everything and somehow didn't. Right. Uh, the total loss at Columbine would be 13 and wounded of 24, but they had hoped to kill thousands. Out of the hundred explosives they originally built and detonated, it would have resulted in hundreds of casualties. Jesus. Um, and they had... Um, so, like, like a shit ton. A uh, hundred, yeah. roughly all together, but the majority being, they called them, like, crickets or something. It's, mm-hmm. like, little CO2 cartridges on matches. And just yeah. Super, like, intense, but, like, you just whip them together real quick. Yeah. 
Let's talk. Let's talk about their parents for a second. Yeah, let's talk about them parents. Can't even really blame them for that either, though. Didn't one of the moms write his book? She has a TED talk. Dylan's yeah. mom has a TED talk. I think. Is it, it Dylan's? Mom? Oh wait, no, it might be Eric's mom. I thought it was Eric. Um, I didn't watch it because I've had a lot of Columbine <laughs> lately. Heard, it was a while ago. I heard an interview with her on NPR or something, and it was really like it made me cry. Yeah, it's just. So let's talk about their parents. Talk about their parents. It's gonna be a. This is this is Eric. Eric's parents. Um, Eric talking. Uh, Eric is in his basement. Tapes. Eric is the lead douchebag. Mm. Mm-hmm. My pet. My parents are the best fucking parents I've ever known. My dad is great, and I wish I wasn't. I wish I was a fucking sociopath, so I didn't have any remorse. But I do. This is gonna tear them apart. They'll never forget it. He pauses and dresses his parents, like addresses his parents directly. There is nothing you guys could have done to prevent any of this. There is nothing that you or anyone could have done to prevent this. No one is to blame but me and Dylan. Our actions are a two-man war against everyone else. What a douchebag. 30 minutes before the attack, the pair, uh, the pair apologized to their parents again. This is Dylan. Hey, Mom, gotta go. It's about a half hour before our little judgment day. I just wanted to apologize to you guys for any of the crap this might instigate or something. Just know that I'm going to a better place. I didn't like life too much, and mm-hmm. I'll know I'll be happy wherever the fuck I go. So I'm gone. Goodbye. Dylan takes the camera and then begins to film Eric. Yeah, everyone. I'm really sorry about all this. I know my mom and dad will be like, just fucking shocked beyond belief. I'm sorry. All right. I can't help it. Dylan quickly interjected. We did what we had to do. <sighs> and then end of tape for that portion. God, I can't wrap my head around as a parent, like, if you heard your kid tell you this shit. And, like, it was, and I remember reading about Eric's mom, and she just, like, said, like, we knew that there was something wrong. Yeah. We knew that he had, like, there was something, but we he we were trying to get him on the right medication, or this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. This wasn't about that. Yeah. It's like, you know, in... Well, I don't want to, like, blame other people's parents because, like, Marcus Parks from last podcast on the last said it literally the best, and I think about this statement every day. Mental illness is not a choice, but it is your responsibility. Yeah. Yes. You figure it out. Yeah, no, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And it's... And if this was that underlying layer, which I don't necessarily... I think it was just straight-up entitlement sociopath bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It's, I mean... I feel like it is such an ex- it's an extreme case an of extreme. teenager of <laughs> like I mean yeah you think you know everything you see you idolize things like when you're a teenager you believe in true love you believe in all these things and some kids go the opposite way some kids believe all these action movies are going to be real and all these things are this is the way to go out this is the way to be immortal and legendary is to yeah. go out like this and no they don't have regard for their parents no matter what they're saying. I I'm sorry if they did. I don't think they yeah. would do any of this. I think it's it's I think they are so, I mean, I think Eric especially is a sociopath. Yeah. I think him saying like, "Oh, I wish I was." So I oh, you're like, "Ha ha." The statement alone is showing that it's a false, you know. Yeah, like it's and you're saying the lines that you know you're supposed to say. Exactly. Exactly. Like you you yeah. You know there's a script and you're not believing it, mm-hmm. but you know how to recite it. But you know how to recite it, yeah. And that could even even been like if you did care about somebody, maybe your parents are the only people you cared about. Yeah. And so you do feel I'm sorry that I'm gonna cause them all this trouble. 
But at the end of the day, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Yeah, exactly. Like I, you're not, if you're sorry, then you're sorry and you change your behavior going forward. You don't say sorry for something you haven't even done yet, because if you are sorry for it already, then don't fucking do it. You wouldn't do it. Yeah. If you feel regret, you can't feel regret for something that's in the future. Yeah. (laughs) just don't do it just don't fucking do it guns don't kill people people kill people but guns help guns as Eddie Izzard says (laughs) one of my favorite lines of his right it's like "Hmm." if you just had a bullet and you threw it at somebody yeah it wouldn't do much (laughs) on April 20th 1999 Eric and Dylan prepared themselves for the day they had been meticulously planning and talking about for years NBK. At approximately 10.58 a.m., the two prepared for the event by placing two duffel bags in the cafeteria amongst a sea of hundreds of backpacks from the other classmates. Each bag contained propane bombs set to detonate at 11.17 a.m. during the A-period lunch break. Two additional backpacks filled with propane balls, bombs, duh, aerosol canisters, and small propane bombs were also placed in a field about three miles south and two miles south of the fire station. Three miles of the school and two of the fire station. The bombs were intended as a diversion to draw firefighters and emergency personnel away from the school during the attack. Only some of the pipe bombs and one of the aerosol canisters detonated, causing only a small fire, which the fire department could, like, put out in no time. They're just kind of like, oh, that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Dylan initially started the attack by throwing a pipe bomb towards the parking lot. The bomb only, like, only partially detonated. Students Rachel Scott and Richard Castaldo thought that they were sitting outside and they just thought it was, oh, some stupid senior prank. Yeah. Dylan and Eric pulled their guns out from beneath their trench coats and began shooting. Rachel was killed instantly. Richard was left paralyzed below the chest. Eric traveled down the west staircase towards students Danielle Rarborough, Sean Graves, and Lance Kirkland. The students were walking up the staircase directly below the shooters. Eric killed Daniel while only injuring Sean and Lance. Dave Sanders, a teacher and coach at the school, was in the cafeteria when he heard the gunfire and began warning the students. The boys began firing at five students sitting on the hillside adjacent to the steps. Michael Johnson was hit in the face, leg, and arm, but was able to run away and escape. Mark Taylor was shot in the leg, chest, and arms. He fell to the ground, pretending to be dead. The other three students managed to escape uninjured. Dylan walked down towards the steps where Lance Kirkland, who was still lying wounded on the ground, began calling for help. Dylan replied, sure, I'll help you, and proceeded to shoot Lance in the face with his shotgun. Sean Graves, now paralyzed from the waist down, pulled himself in the doorway of the cafeteria's west entrance. After hearing the gunshot towards Lance, Sean rubbed blood all over his face and neck and laid there still. Dylan stepped over Sean to enter the cafeteria. As he stepped over what he believed was Sean's corpse, he kind of kicked it, scoffed at the body. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Oh, my God. Moment of cute. Mo is snoring. Well, Mo, the dog's snoring. Yeah. Thank it's, you, thank Mo, God. Because I'm, like, Ugh. on the brain here. <laughs> I know. I'm like, womp. <laughs> Frown emoji. Just grab your dog and use it as a Kleenex. Yeah. Right? He said, it's, it's rough, but without knowledge, we have no power. Yeah, we, we, it's important to know what happened. While Dylan was checking on the propane bombs, Eric was still on top of the stairs shooting and severely wounding and paralyzing 17-year-old Anne-Marie Hockhalter. Thank you for going through all the victims' names, by the way. Once reunited, the two shot towards students standing close to the soccer field, but luckily no one was wounded. As they walked toward the west entrance of the school, the two began to haphazardly throwing bombs again. 
That was like their woo. Me using their little arm things to Your light brain. them. Yeah. <laughs> um, one student overheard Eric exclaim, This is what we've always wanted to do. This is fucking awesome. Ugh. Right. Douche. Douche, 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 douche. They give a bad name to douches. <laughs> Even douches are like, Even Whoa. douches are better than that. And douches aren't very good for you. <laughs> Hearing the commotion, art teacher Patty Nelson and student Brian Anderson headed towards the west entrance. As Brian opened the first set of double doors, Eric and Dylan shot out the windows. Brian and Patty ran back towards the hall and into the library. Patty told the students inside what was happening and instructed them to hide under their desks and tables and for the love of God to keep quiet. She dialed 911 while hiding under the library's counter. I've heard the audio of that and I was like, holy shit, it's Patty! Like, because I've been writing, doing all this, I'm like, fuck. Brian, bleeding from his injuries, um, when they shot out the glass, um, the glass cut his face mm-hmm. up and stuff pretty, like, decent, like, pretty bad, um, hid inside the magazine room next to the library. At 11.23 a.m., across the police radio, while riding a traffic ticket just north of the school, motorcycle patrolman Deputy Paul Smoker got a call of a female down. Deputy Gardner also heard the report. Deputy Gar- uh, Smoker met up with Deputy Scott Taborski and together headed down towards the school. All the deputies. All the deputies. So one was a motorcycle cop, and he's like, mm-hmm. hey, can you pick me up? And they're like, yeah, we'll be right there. <laughs> can I get a ring? The TLDR of that one. 11.24 a.m., another call on the school radio. Neil, there's a shooter in the school. Because at this point, he thought that um, it, it had just... been like a hit and run in the parking yeah. lot. Eric Harris, now at the west entrance fired 10 shots at Deputy Gardner. As Eric reloaded, Gardner fired four rounds at him from his service pistol. Despite several rounds being shot, neither one was hit during the exchange. Dylan and Eric moved along the main north hallway, continuing to throw pipe bombs and shooting at unfortunate souls they encountered. Dylan shot Stephanie Munson in the ankle, but she was still able to escape. The two deputies focused their efforts on rescuing wounded students near the baseball fields um, next to the ball fields when mm-hmm. another gunfight broke out. Eric was shooting again at Gardner at 11.26 a.m. Gardner returned fire. De- Deputy Smoker fired three rounds towards Eric but be- before they retreated into the school. So a lot of, like, little attempts because I'm picturing as just, like, a motorcycle cop and, like, a school cop. Mm-hmm. The fuck they didn't train this us for this. Yeah, can like, you imagine a like, an officer... Yeah, and like oh well, at that point he was probably trained in the shit like this. But but even at like this point, yeah. you're like say you're an officer and you're going and like you get a response to a school and just some kid is shooting at you. Yeah, a kid fully fucking decked out. Yeah, and of course they are just loving it. Yeah, have any? They're in a firefight with cops. Like yeah. oh my god, and they're surviving. Mm-hmm. They're not they're getting winning. hit. They're winning. Yeah. So Stephanie just part. looked at the microphone with, like, the most condescending look. They're fucking winning. They're fucking winning. They're fucking winning. It's your fault. <laughs> no, it's because there's a, there's a mirror behind you. Oh. <laughs> and so I always catch the reflection of my the glare off my glasses. Oh, it looked like you were, like, right at the microphone. No, I'm, like, looking at, like, I can't see behind my glare. <laughs> I forgot. Because <laughs> anyway, it does, like, that, like, the stereotypical, like, comic book thing where it's, like, yeah. all white. And they're, yeah. like, sheep. Like in an anime. Inside the cafeteria, teacher Dave Sanders and custodians John Curtis and Jay Gallatine successfully evacuated students up the staircase leading to the second floor. These stairs, unfortunately, would lead to the library hallway. Mm. 
Dave Sanders and a student stopped in their tracks at the end of the hallway when they encountered Eric and Dylan, who were approaching them from the north corner. Sanders and the student turned and ran. Eric and Dylan began to shoot. Eric hit Dave Sanders twice in the back and neck, but fortunately missing the student. A fellow teacher found Dave Sanders' bodies and hid him in a classroom where he and 30 other students were already hiding in fear. Using a phone in the room, several students were actually able to maintain contact with the police outside of the school, which, like, goodness on that, but at the same point, like, they can't, what can you do? Yeah. You're just like, okay, I stay on the line, I guess. Like, yeah. Student Aaron Hansey was smuggled across classrooms to administer first aid to Dave Sanders. Aaron, with the help of fellow student Kevin Starkley and teacher Teresa Miller, were able to provide first aid until help arrived. Sadly, Dave Sanders would succumb to his wounds. That that name sticks out. I remember that name because mm-hmm. he was, yeah. Oof. And, like, the thing with the 911 is, like, yeah, there's nothing they can really do. But, like, that's what we're trained to do. When shit happens, you call 911. That's yeah. what you do. 52 students, two teachers, and two librarians were hiding in the library. A bomb was thrown by Eric down the library's hallway. At 11.29 a.m., Dylan Klebold entered the library first, followed by Eric Harris. So, okay. There's, like, a full, like, little disclaimer here. This, it just gets worse. <laughs> like, I mean, not... Mm-hmm. Just the sheer fuck-you cockiness of yeah. them is the part that's... Because, like, I don't want to say, like, we're... We've become accustomed just... But it kind of is. We, we do talk about this fairly often. We talk about, you know, murder and stuff, but... In deaths and, but this, I think it's a different for you and I. This is also it's, it's a personal thing because yeah. we were of this age and this yeah it resonates with when this happened. Like I could see it. I remember like watching like watching about it and then going like I I knew how severe the situation was, mm-hmm. but I couldn't like our brain like your brain at that age doesn't quite like I couldn't have told you it was because of this reason. Yeah. I wouldn't have gotten that till obviously, like, being, like, an adult and, like, having... It's like, so emotional. Yeah. It's so emotional. And... It's a lot I of mean, raw feelings. A lot of us kind of bought the line that was fed to us by the media yeah. before we did our own research and on it. It's kind of like a backhand now to, like, as an adult, you're like, no, what the fuck? Yeah. This is a whole other thing we could have yeah. been worried about. Exactly. And it, I think also, yeah, we're kind of desensitized to a lot of stuff, but a lot of... We also, a lot of the other criminals, when we talk about them, we do their backstory. We we try to understand them. Yeah. This is still, even with backstory, even with knowing a lot of stuff, it's still so hard to understand how somebody can just blatantly do this. And, like, there's so many, like, there's spree killers that do these things. And later we find out they had a tumor or people that have gone through, you know, 40 years of this rough life. And now they they finally snapped. But these are kids that are just in Colorado. In Colorado. In Colorado. Like, it's not, it's, it's like a mystery. It's hard to wrap our heads around. Yeah. And so it becomes such a. The thing we want to hear more about, we want to learn everything we can about it because it's that natural desire to understand. Yeah. And it's like, they funded this operation from working at a pizza place. Yeah. What if he had, like, fucking McVeigh money? Right. And started using fertilizer like he did. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a whole other, like, God, Jesus. Well, McVeigh most likely had a lot of outside help. 
Yeah. But, but like, that's more the, with the more resources, the older you are. Exactly. I, mean, I don't want to say older you are, but like. Well, and McVeigh also more. did time in the military, so he had a lot more experience with these kind of things. But just and, picture that mentality. But as. With a McVeigh budget, like, in resources. Yeah. yeah. No, it could have been this so is much worse. And I think. Kids going to an ace with, you know, pizza checks. And as far <laughs> as going through it step by step, it is kind of hard to get through, but. It's important because not only can we not just, like, group with, like, and then they killed this many people. Like, naming the people, like, going through the list and, like, these things are important. It's important. Um, And it's not just, like, it's very personally important, but I feel like it's just. It's important for people to know. Yeah. Because it's kind of, like, without, it's very symbiotic and without, you know, unfortunately, without victims, there's not killers. Without killers, there's not victims. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to give necessarily more attention to the other because I don't, you know, want to say that the shittier person gets the more attention, but it's kind of how you learn and you deep dive and you, this is how you understand. And I think a lot of, especially true crime documentaries, especially on television, they kind of have to gloss over the victims. They don't do as much. They're always the first scrap for time, which seems like, damn, like that's not how it should be. And because it's, it's, it's hard for people. Yeah. It's hard. And that's the thing. We know this is hard. We know it's hard to listen to. It's hard hard for us to talk about. Yeah. But we think it's important to talk about it and for you to listen to about it. It's just, it's it's all about, you know, it's all about learning. Yeah. We're going to learn today. We're getting learned. You're going to learn today. <laughs> and the time breakdown is just to really reiterate how, yeah. just how quickly. Mm-hmm. Because, like, when I'm doing, like, when I was putting this all together and, like, you think at how it's like where like oh he went to go to this and like oh you're thinking like oh a regular pace like no everything is go 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 yeah this was all very strategic very and planned mm-hmm. so at eleven twenty nine they entered the library Eric began yelling at the students get up and when no one complied Eric fired his shotgun twice just at a, at a desk the shooters walked towards disabled student Kyle Velasquez Dylan fired his shotgun twice fatally hitting him. They took this time to reload their weapons, all the while threatening to blow up the building and anything that got in their way. The two quickly noticed that the police had arrived and were evacuating students outside of the school. They shot towards the police. Officers returned fire and no one was injured. At this time, Dylan removed his trench coat. Shit is getting real. Whether you, like, acknowledge it or, like, it's subconscious or not, this whole... His image, their their attire is just, is one of the biggest things that have set off everyone else. Mm-hmm. It's the most common thing that is related back to. In an attempt to get as many dead as possible, off the cuff, Dylan began calling out students in groups. First, he shouted out for the jocks to stand up. And no, no one did? Fine. I'll just start shooting. And fired his shotgun at a nearby table, injuring through three students. Patrick Ireland, Daniel Steepleton, and Mackay Hall. Eric continued toward the lower row of computer desks, getting down to one knee, fired a single shot under the first desk, hitting and killing 14-year-old Stephen Kernrow. 14. Using the same approach, this time 17-year-old Casey, um, I'm going to butcher her her, uh, Mm -hmm. last name, but um, Ruzgiger? with a shot that passed completely through her right shoulder and severing a major artery. Mm. While gasping in pain, Eric scoffed at her and told her to quit her bitching. She lived. She uh, does a lot of post-Columbine stuff. Yeah. 
obviously. <laughs> In a sadistic game of peekaboo, Eric Harris slapped the tables twice before kneeling down and shooting 17-year-old Cassie Bernal. They, um, I know that got a There's been a lot of movies, obviously, mm-hmm. about Columbine. And I remember someone, like, gave them hella shit because they're like, oh, peekaboo. Like, how dare you be, like, overdramatic about this? And I'm like, no, that happened. I don't think I've ever seen any of the movies that they made. I think it's one of those things that's just too... It it hurts. It, it Even though it was, what, 20 plus years ago now? Yeah, 20. <sighs> even though it was that long ago, it still feels too soon. Like, right? It's like, oh, shit. Next was Brie Pascual. Eric asked Brie if she wanted to die. And, of course, responding with a plea for her own life, Harris laughed and responded, well, <laughs> everyone's going to die. Dylan demanded Eric for her him to shoot her. Eric's response, no, we're going to blow up the school anyway. So what's the point? As Eric was interrogating Bree, Dylan had turned and noticed Patrick Ireland was trying to give medical aid to Mackay Hall. Unbeknownst to Patrick, his head was visible above the table. Dylan took his opportunity and shot him a second time, hitting him twice in the head and inevitably once in the foot. Eric was not, or Patrick was knocked unconscious but survived. Amazingly. Wow. Dylan walked toward another table, discovering three students hiding underneath, 18-year-old Isaiah Scholes, 16-year-old Matthew Ketcher, and first victim Rachel's younger brother, 16-year-old Craig Scott. Eric joined Dylan at the table. After Dylan proclaimed that he had found (sighs) insert racial slur here, directed towards a black gentleman, pulled him out from under the table. Like I said... Mm-hmm. Very white, supremacist-oriented yeah. individual. Douchebag. After a slew of taunts and derogatory racial remarks, Eric shot Isaiah once in the chest, killing him. The remaining two students under the table, Matthew was also killed. Craig was left unharmed. Eric proclaimed, Who's ready to die next? Just the fucking... Douchebag. You fucks! You fucks! <laughs> Just yeah. like... Ugh. I understand why you've been so angry the last couple days. <laughs> You're just like, Stephanie, what's wrong? Call mine! That's what's wrong. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Eric threw a bomb at a previously attacked table. Dylan and Eric decided on a new table, injuring 17-year-old Mark Kentkin in his head and shoulder. Eric turned toward the table to his left and fired his shotgun. The same blast simultaneously injured 18-year-olds Lisa Krentz, Lauren Townsend, and Baleen Schnurr. Dylan proceeded to take his turn, shooting and killing Lauren Townsend. A seriously injured Vailene Schnur broke down and started screaming, Oh my God, oh my God, over and over. This intrigued Dylan. He asked her if she believed in God. And of course she said, you know, in the heat of the moment, you're, you're just like, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> his simple response was, why? God's so gay. God's gay. What the fuck? That's such that's a stupid... That's such a high school <laughs> Like, what a, like, jerk-off hand that's motion. That's gay. That's yeah. so... Oh, no. They're those fucking kids. I know. But in an M. Night Shyamalan-esque twist, he reloaded his weapon, but walked away. So he did let her... She did live. Hmm. Eric approached another table, firing twice, injuring 16-year-olds Nicole Nowlin and John Tomlin. John tried to flee, but was unable to escape Dylan's range. Next, Eric shot and killed 16-year-old Kelly Fleming and wounding 18-year-old Janet Park. The pair needed to reload and moved from the center, moved to the center of the library. While en route, Eric fired at a student, but he had moved out of the way. Eric Harris turned his gun back onto the student and told him to identify himself. 
kind of like pissed off, like, how dare I miss? Yeah. The student's name was John Savage, an acquaintance of Dylan's. John asked Dylan, what were they doing? Just why? And like, mm-hmm. you, there's interviews with him. And he's just like, why? What, what the fuck? Like, even the people close to him. Yeah, like, but that knew him were like, what are you doing? Yeah. Dylan's response was just shrugging lazily and just going, eh, killing people. John asked, are you going to kill me? The fire alarm was pounding, or maybe it was just the taken aback by the question. Dylan only replied with the, what? John asked again, are you going to kill me? Dylan said no, and to just run. Without hesitation, John ran from the library. As they were watching John flee, Eric turned and fired his carbine at a 15-year-old Daniel Mauser, hitting him in the ear and hand. Like one of these. Mm-hmm. Daniel shoved a chair at Eric's legs. Infuriated, Eric shot Daniel in the face at close range. 11.35. Jesus. So, like, this is, and this is why I, like, literally why I timestamped it. Yeah. How the fuck did all of this even happen? It's so fast. It's yeah. so fast. I mean, Just, think about, like. And then, I'm sure it's feeling like a year a second while yeah. you're living it. Think about, like, okay, you're, you're fighting with your spouse, right? And you're fighting for however long, and it feels like it's been forever, and you look at the clock, it's been a half an hour, and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, not that this that is school <laughs> shooting is the same thing as vice, but I was just thinking, like, like, it's all relative, and, or, like... In the moment. Or, like, you get into a car accident or something yeah. like that. Anything like that, like, these quick things that happen that feel like they are forever, but then you look and... You're like, oh, It's only no. been, like, a few minutes. You're like... And especially something like that, like, just in that moment of terror, every yeah. moment's going to seem so long. Like, every heartbeat is just, like, mm-hmm. a millennia. At this point, and this part is even worse, Eric and Dylan were bored. Just letting that sink in to the whole world out there. They were bored. They realized killing people wasn't as fun as they thought it was going to be. Yeah. Dylan's suggesting, maybe we should start knifing people. Maybe that would be more fun. Teenagers. Teenagers are the worst. Eric threw a Molotov cocktail towards the southwestern end of the library and noticed a wounded student, Evan Todd, hiding behind a copier. Ooh, what do we have here? Eric asked, what, replied Dylan. Ah, just some fat fuck. Well, Evan was berated by Dylan. He was set free. I'm gonna let this fat fuck live unless you, like, want to have Adam. Like, really? Like, Jesus Christ. I don't have the balls to do anything. Yeah. You do it. You do it. Honestly, like, the way it sounds like with them kind of, like, ignoring some people or I feel like they are, it's not just boredom. I think they are, it's kind of getting to them a bit. They're just like, Ugh. I think they're seeing some of the reality of it, and they don't, they can't, they can't admit it, because they're fucking teenagers. Teenagers can't admit when well, they're wrong. And they're not, and they're not done yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> At 11.37, the two left the library. 29 uninjured and 10 injured survivors evacuated the library through the north emergency door. After leaving the library, the two caused a fire in an empty storage closet and shot randomly into empty schoolrooms. At 11.44 a.m., security cameras captured them re-entering the cafeteria. The recording shows Eric unsuccessfully firing a single shot towards a bomb in an effort to detonate it. Since that didn't work, Dylan lit a Molotov cocktail and threw it at the propane bomb instead. 11.46. They left the cafeteria several seconds after, after the Molotov cocktail exploded. About a minute later, the gallon of fuel attached to a surrounding like bomb ignited, blowing out the windows and causing a fire. They shot aimlessly throughout the hallways, looking through the windows, and laughing and taunting students hiding inside. Between 11.56 and 12 p.m., Dylan, Eric, 
Dylan and Eric circled back to the cafeteria, entered the kitchen, and returned up the staircase leading to the south hallway. They re-entered the library in hopes to watch their car bombs that they had set on a timer at noon to explode, both of which failing to detonate. The plan of the 12 o'clock ones was, because they knew they were going to get got by this point, mm-hmm. those were cop and, uh, they were first responder bombs. Gotcha. Douche them. Yeah, they had them parked <laughs> in the parking yeah. lot. From the windows at 2.02 p.m., they began shooting at police. Police returned fire. Nobody was injured in the exchange. By 12.05 p.m., all gunfire from the school had ceased. By 12.08, both gunmen had killed themselves. Douchebags. Eric Harris sat down with his back against the bookshelf and fired his shotgun through the roof of his mouth. Dylan Klebold tossed a Molotov cocktail onto a nearby table, eased down onto his knees, and shot himself in the left temple with his Tech-9. A total of 188 rounds of ammunition were fired by the perpetrators during this massacre. Eric fired nearly as much as Dylan and fired his carbine rifle a total of 96 times, discharged his shotgun 25 times. Dylan fired his Tech-9 handgun 55 times in 12 rounds from the double-barreled shotgun. Law enforcement officers fired 141 rounds during this exchange. (sighs) After the attack... Flooded with misinformation, mass media portrayed Eric and Dylan as unpopular loners and frequent targets. Bullshit. Bullshit! The school was being bombarded with reporters, resulting in fractured information. Witnesses under duress were giving statements about kids they had never even talked to. A majority of these statements emerged before the shooting had even stopped. Bullshit. Yeah. Um, Also, just for a reference of time... Um, from start to finish, it took four hours for the police to get everyone in and um, assess everything. Assess everything. They were in, so we know how long the event was. They were just stuck there, yeah, for over three hours until they could figure out what was happening and get everybody out. Mm-hmm. So it's like the majority of that time, you're not the guys aren't even alive, and the cops don't know that because yeah. they can't get in there because they're. You know, bombs and booby traps and all sorts of shit. Media and the authorities were reluctant to set the record straight and to clear up any misinformation provided. In some cases, this process would take years. The biggest mistake was involving an affidavit for a search warrant that would have saved the lives of all of those students. Yeah. On April 30th, 1999... The Jefferson County Sheriff's Office met to decide if they should reveal that they had a drafted affidavit for a search warrant for the Harris residents more than a year before the shootings. It started with a phone call made to the police by a mother of fellow student Brooks Brown on March ni- in March 1998. Eric threatened her son, her son on his website and then bragged about the bombs. This wasn't the only threat investigators discovered. Other students and teachers were also targeted on this website. He was a bully. Yeah. He was a fucktard. Like, just complete, ugh. Mm -hmm. The search warrant also mentioned the discovery of an exploded pipe bomb in February 1998 and the suspicion of Eric Harris being involved in in several unsolved cases. Mm -hmm. The affidavit was never sent to a judge. It was never submitted. After the attack, they immediately destroyed as much evidence as possible. Later investigations were able to piece together most of the original documents, but not up until almost five years after the fact did they acknowledge that they even had the meeting on the 30th. Yeah. So let that fucking sink in. More douchebags. It's just people not doing their fucking job and not doing their due diligence. It's shit that falls through the cracks. And then the cover-up, 
I don't want to say cover up, but the trying to cover their asses. Yeah. Because they let shit fall through the cracks. Like, know a fucking red flag when you see one. Yeah. And I now, it, I mean, think, I, I think nowadays they're, they are a lot better at that, but it's because of this. Um, other shocking news to the police that should not have been at all a surprise was the fact that Dylan and Eric were on probation after having been arrested in 1998 after breaking into a van and stealing electronics. Like, these are just terrible people. Terrible kids. Bad kids. Just bad. All around. Yeah. Following the shooting, schools across the United States instituted new security measures such as see-through backpacks, metal detectors, school uniforms, and additional guards. Some schools even implementing a numbering of doors, the school doors, to improve public safety response time. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier to say, like, we're in B4, Mm -hmm. go, 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 than... Oh, in the diamond, the third hall down the left? Like, it doesn't make sense, like, how some of our schools have been. Throughout the country, resorting and requiring some students to wear, like, generated IDs, which is, uh, it's kind of tricky. There were, before this, there were some, like, inner city schools that Mm -hmm. had to deal with this. Oh, that, yeah. After this, it became more strict all over the place, not just in inner city. Um, There's also the adoption of, like, more um, zero-tolerance approaches to possessions of weapons and threatening behavior of students. Uh, despite this effort, many experts in the field f- field feel the zero-tolerance approach adopted in schools uh, was implemented too quickly. Yeah. Um, so, and I agree. Um, the <laughs> unintended consequences of this is, like, so it's creating other problems. So why, if I'm being bullied and I'm trying to stick up for myself, all of a sudden I'm getting the worst, if not twice, the punishment of the guy that's trying to bully me, like, there's a flaw in that system. Yes. Like, agreed. And we've seen that firsthand. Yeah. Despite the safety measures being implemented post-tragedy at Columbine, school shootings will always continue to take place in the United States at an alarming rate. Virginia Tech, Sandy Hook, Stoneman (sighs) Douglas were three subsequent school shootings that far eclipsed the terror that took place at Columbine. Some schools renewed existing anti-bullying policies. Rachel's Challenge was started by victims Craig and Rachel Scott's parents in lectures schools about violence prevention. But even then... Like I've stated before, bullying wasn't the underlying cause here. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I don't want to, like, shit on all the other parts, but I'm like, you're putting a lot of investment into something that's not necessarily, I think, the problem. Yeah. Just a mere eight days later, on April 28th, 1999, the W.R. Myers High School shooting became the first documented Columbine copycat attack. The gunman, 14-year-old school dropout Todd Cameron Smith, snapped after watching news coverage about Columbine. He was just like, oh, he can do it. I yeah. can do it. Since the Columbine shooting on April 20th, 768 people have been killed and wounded in school sh- and mass shootings committed across the globe, each having direct correlation and influence by Columbine, either from direct IP searches to copies of the basement tapes to verbatim attire. Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold have become cult heroes for the unhappy, disenfranchised teenagers across everywhere at this point. Yeah. Because this isn't a United States-specific thing, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I have two examples. Uh, Sol and Jose believed they were some of these disenfranchised teenagers. On April 17th, 2019, three days before the 20th year anniversary of the Columbine Massacre... 18-year-old Sol Paz flew from Miami, Florida to Denver, Colorado, armed and dangerous. Having originally threatened the Denver-Littleton area, Sol took her own life instead. Eight months and 24 days later, it is Friday, January 10th, 2020, 8.38 p.m. I started preparing for this episode. 
Unbeknownst to me, earlier that morning, 11-year-old student Jose Ramos opened fire at his school in Torreon, Mexico, killing two and injuring five students and staff before turning the gun onto himself. Joe was wearing black pants, suspenders, and a white t-shirt reading Natural Selection, the same outfit as Eric Harris. <sighs> like, and this, and that was, like, that is when I knew that I had to do this. Yeah. It, like, spoke to you. Yeah. And I was like... Well, I mean, this has been, like, in in my little brain piece. Like, I know this is, like, one of my pocket stories I want to work on. But, I, like, I saw that. I was like, okay, let me just, like, see, like, what I'm feeling about this. Because I started with someone else altogether. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no. This is, it's too fucked up to not bring attention to. Yeah. And, like, honestly, as far as, like, like I don't want to make this into, like, a huge political thing. I, I, I'm an opinionated person. I'm going to anyways. I don't think, I mean... Gun control is something. At least it shows we're trying something. Yeah. So, and, like, especially after um, Sandy Hook, when they didn't do anything after Sandy Hook, I gave up on the inside. Yeah. I felt like if, like, oh, if elementary school children dying yeah. does nothing, then what the fuck will? And, yeah. um. I was extremely inspired by the um, Stoneman Douglas mm-hmm. kids that decided, like, obviously the adults aren't fucking doing anything. Yeah. So we're going to fucking do something. Yeah. I I lost my shit when I found out he was wearing the same fucking outfit. Yeah. 11-year-old student. Jesus. It was his, um, his grandfather um, got charged because it was his gun also. Um, so I had originally wrote, like, huge things about Soul and huge things about Jose, and I'm like... This is umpteen billion pages long, mm-hmm. so I'm like, no, you're on your own thing. Yeah. The amount of human lives lost because of mass shootings on a day-to-day basis is something that needs to be spoken about louder. Like, we've been, this has yes. been the whole message the whole time. We cannot be complacent. Mm-mm. Eric and Dylan were fucking terrorists with border, like, not even borderline, like, full-blown Nazi ideals. Douchebags. They wanted fame and accolades, and because it sucks, in it, in like, in... It sucks because we're here, like, talking about him in depth. Yeah. And what happened when Columbine was not a one-off and will continue to get worse. Like, what measures need to be in place where high schoolers working part-time at a pizza place almost pulled off the biggest domestic terrorist attack on U.S. soil? I wanted to end this episode with a pause, a moment of silence for the lives lost, not just for Columbine, but for all victims of these heinous crimes. You guys are troopers. This story didn't have a happy ending, and I, you know, and I wish, I wish I had a solution. I wish we had a solution, and we all did. But until then, guys, take care of yourself. Be aware. If you see something, say something. Be you, but be safe. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you for going through that with us. It's cathartic for us because, again, this is something that happened when we were right there. Yeah. Um. Obviously not physically right there, but we felt these things because we saw these kids that looked just like us, that did stuff just like us, and we knew kids like these assholes. So thank you so much. We appreciate you from the bottom of our hearts for sticking to this. I promise that next episode I'm going to do a fun one. As fun as murder can be. It's going to be a little more lighthearted. I'm going to, I'll find something nice and silly. Yeah. Um, You know, and the plus side, you can only do Columbine once. So you'll it's over. It. It's over. You that band aid has been pulled. You you did it. So uh, we love to hear your random back thoughts. So hit us up with an email, um, any questions, comments, episode ideas, anything like that 
at sisteraxpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at sister underscore X and on Instagram and Facebook at Sister X Podcast. So I am going to close this out with a little quote. Um, like I mentioned, the kids from Stoneman Douglas High School, that high school's mate is named after Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. So basically she fought, she was a woman um, in the early 1900s, late 1800s, while back. She fought for the preservation of the Everglades. Okay. And she fought against these big wigs. She was just amazing. So there's this quote that she did that it makes me think of the kids that are speaking out because they are from this school named after this extremely strong woman. Yeah. Do your part to inform and stimulate the public to join your action. Be depressed, discouraged, and disappointed at the failure and the disheartening effects of ignorance, greed, corruption, and bad politics. But never give up. Preach it, girl. Thank you for listening. Thank you. we'll see you next week. (gasps) Bye. Bye!